0: I told the team this week if they played that song, it would mess me up before I had to get up here. That was the song that was sung at my installation service, and it always moves me. And if that weren't enough, um, we have hard news to start with this morning. Heavy hearts. The death of three in our church family. This week, David Gehring, longtime member of First Free, died just earlier this week, just found out yesterday that Carol Gertz died and went to be with the Lord. And what is more, Tim and Ashley Coltrane lost their baby girl, Allie, this week, stillborn death. And so we come to a time of prayer with very heavy hearts, and yet come to a God who hears our prayers and desires to comfort us in our affliction. So would you please join me as we pray. Father, we need you. Specifically, we need to hear from you this morning. And so we pray that you would speak, O Lord, by your word to our hearts. That you would speak words of comfort for those who are grieving. We pray for the family of David Gehring. For the family of Carol Gertz and for the family of Tim and Ashley Coltrane, we pray that you would comfort their hearts, speak words of comfort to them as they grieve, but also words of hope for them who hurt. We thank you that we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our suffering, but one who was acquainted with grief, one who wept at the loss of his friend, but what is more, one who is risen from the grave and victorious. Comfort us and strengthen us with this word, truth. Father, the nations need to hear your voice as well. They are without God and without hope in this world. And so we pray for our missions partners that they would have feet that are ready to take the good news of the gospel to those without hope. To declare that while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, Christ died, the godly, for the ungodly. And it is by grace that we are saved. We pray specifically for S and J that they would speak this good news, that You would open a door for the Gospel, that they would speak with clarity, that they would speak in power. Father, the Chinese congregation needs to hear from you this morning. They need to be strengthened in the truth of the gospel. And so I pray that you would strengthen Daniel, your servant. We all serve out of weakness. But when we are weak, you are strong. And so we pray that he would declare the mystery of the gospel and that you would use his word to build up the body until we all arrive at maturity father our students who are at focus this morning they need to hear from you and so I pray that as they hear the call to follow Jesus that you would open their ears that you would dig out their ears so that they would hear your effective call I pray that they would cling to Christ by faith and follow Him firm to the end. That they would move from simple agreement with the Gospel that they have been taught to wholehearted trust in Your Son. We need Your Spirit to do this work in them. Father, lastly, we here gathered this morning need to hear from you. Not from me, but from you. And so I pray that you would use your Word, which is breathed out by your Spirit, to communicate to our hearts, to cut us to the deep, that we may be convinced of the good news of the Gospel, convicted of sin, and comforted with the hope that is ours through Your Son, Jesus Christ. May You do all of this for the sake of Your glory and for the good of Your people whom You love. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would please open your bibles to first, well, second Samuel now. Second Samuel chapter 1. I was at the airport on Wednesday in Wichita and then in Chicago. And as I was getting my lunch, I noticed a number of people walking around the airport with dirty foreheads. I thought, this is odd. What is the deal with all of these blackened foreheads? And then I was just like, duh. It's Ash Wednesday. It's the beginning of Lent. We don't normally observe Lent here at First Free. and Maybe that's why I was taken aback at the airport as I saw these people and some of you may wonder what it's all about quite simply it's a time of fasting to prepare for a time of feasting the feast that we are preparing for is Easter on Easter we celebrate Christ risen from the dead Lent is a time to prepare For this feast, how do we prepare? Well, we prepare first and foremost by remembering the reason why there is death in this world. Death is God's judgment on our sin. And so we prepare for God's victory over sin, God's victory over death, by remembering our sin, by repenting of our sin, by grieving for our sin, and by grieving for the consequences of sin that we see all around us. Namely, the consequence of death. You don't have to observe Lent. But friends, this morning, you do have to get this point. If we are going to understand the good news, and we need to, of Christ risen from the dead, we first have to come to grips with the bad news that the wages of sin is death. If we are going to understand the triumph of the resurrection, we have to first come to understand the tragedy of death. Many of you know something very personally about the tragedy of death. And for some, it is very raw this morning. Our church has lost so many over the last couple of years. People who are members of this church, gone. Others of you have lost family members. And you're very aware of the tragedy of death. And just now, over the last number of weeks, even more. Nicole Harms, Mildred Fall, and as I just mentioned this morning, David Gehring, Carol Gertz, And Allie Coltrane. How do we respond? We all know that it hurts. We all know that it is a tragedy. But how are we to respond biblically, faithfully, in a godly way to the tragedy of death? Quite simply, we need to grieve. Sure. We need to grieve with hope. But I am afraid that in the evangelical church, we have focused so much on the hope that we have forgotten the real call to grieve. We need help to learn how to grieve. And yes, to grieve with hope. And we are given help in our passage this morning. My main text this morning, I was going to cover chapters 31 and all of 2 Samuel 1, but I have decided to simply cover 2 Samuel 1, verses 17 to 27. It's a song of lament. It's David's song. David's response to the news of the death of King Saul. It's really quite remarkable. If you've been tracking with us at all in the series in 1 Samuel, we know that Saul considers David his enemy. Wouldn't you think that David would be rejoicing that the man who has been trying to kill him is now dead? But he does not rejoice. He does not celebrate. He pours out His heart in lament and in grief. But that's not all. In verse 17, we see that He writes down His lament so that the people of Israel might be taught to lament for Saul's death as well. But this song was not only important for the people of Israel 3,000 years ago. God, in His wisdom has preserved it in our Bibles so that we, the people of God, might also learn a lesson about grief and lament in the face of the tragedy of death. And so, let us go to school this morning and learn from David's song how we are to respond to the tragedy of death. Would you please stand for the reading of God's word? 2nd Samuel chapter 1 beginning in verse 17. And David lamented with this lamentation over Saul and Jonathan his son. And he said, "It should be taught to the people of Judah. Behold, it is written in the book of Jeshar." he said Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not in Gath. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon. Lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice. Lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor fields of offering. For there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul not anointed with oil. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan turned not back, and the sword of Saul returned not empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You daughters of Israel, weep over Saul. Who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet. Who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant have you been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. How the mighty have fallen and the weapons of war perished. This is the Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Paul tells us that we should grieve but we should grieve with hope. I think this song helps us to do both of those things. It's divided into three parts, each marked by the repeated refrain, How the mighty have fallen. The first part, which has the first of those refrains, begins in verse 19 and goes through verse 21. And this teaches us why we should grieve. The second part is in verses 22 to 25, and that refrain ends that section, and it helps us to know something about how we should grieve. The third part, in verses 26 to 27, gives us a subtle hint of how we should grieve with hope. So, why we should grieve? how we should grieve, and how we can grieve with hope. Let's begin with the reason why we should grieve. We should grieve death because it's not supposed to be this way. We see this in verses 19-21. to David begins this section with that repeated refrain, How the mighty have fallen. Look at verse 19. Your glory, O Israel, is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Why is David grieving? Because as Israel's king, Saul represents Israel. So in that sense, he is supposed to be Israel's glory. But the glory is now slain. As Israel's king, he is supposed to be mighty. But now, that which was mighty has fallen. All that Saul was supposed to be is now lost forever. It will not. It cannot be restored. He was supposed to rule God's people while living himself under God's rule. He was supposed to defeat Israel's enemies, but it's all been lost. Specifically, he was to defeat the enemies of the Philistines. But did you know that now that Saul has fallen, the Philistines are doing cartwheels? Back in chapter 31 in verse 9, as the Philistines find the dead body of Saul, they cut off his head, they strip him of his armor, and they send messengers throughout the land of the Philistines declaring the good news, the Gospel, to the house of their idols and to the people. David says, it is not supposed to be this way. The Gentiles should not be declaring a false gospel celebrating the death of God's anointed King. Death is never good news, David says. Even the death of your enemies is not good news. Should you rejoice... When Saddam Hussein dies, should you rejoice when Osama bin Laden is taken out? David says, no! God takes no pleasure in the death of anyone. And neither should we. David says it is not supposed to be this way. The Philistines should not be rejoicing over the death of Saul. Look at what he says in verse 20. Tell it not in Gath, may it not be so, he says. Publish it not in the streets of Ashkelon, lest the daughters of the Philistines rejoice, lest the daughters of the uncircumcised exult. Saul's death is a disruption of the entire created order. It's not supposed to be this way. And so, David in his grief says, if this is not the way that it is supposed to be, then even the very things in the created order, where Saul died, should be disrupted. May there be no rain. May there be no harvest. Look at verse 21. You mountains of Gilboa, there shall be no dew or rain upon you nor fields of offerings. What happened on Mount Gilboa is so tragic that David thinks it should be cursed. And speaking of the curse, Saul's death reminds us of why all die. You see, in Saul's fall, We are reminded of the fall. Saul reminds us of Adam's fall. Why do I say that? Well, why did Saul fall? We've talked about it. We were just reminded of it last week. It was because of Saul's sin. But notice how similar the story of the sin of Saul sounds to the sin and the fall of Adam. Saul was made ruler over the people and the place of Israel. He was promised that if he would listen and obey God's voice, that it would be well with him and it would be well with the people. He would be blessed. But if he failed to obey God's voice, if he rebelled against God's Word, he would be swept away. And Saul didn't obey God's voice. He rejected the Lord, and so the Lord rejected him from being king over Israel. And now the Lord is fulfilling the word that he spoke very clearly to Saul. The Mighty One. The One God appointed to rule has fallen dead on the battlefield. Doesn't that sound very similar? To Adam, the representative of all humanity who too was given a position of authority in the garden and even a commission to spread the image of God, the glory of God to the very ends of the earth. He was promised that if he would obey God's voice, he would be given life and blessing. That was the way that it was supposed to be. But he was also warned that if he would not heed the voice of God, that he would surely die. Tragically, Adam rebelled against God's Word. He fell. He was banished from the garden. And he died. And through his fall, all of humanity is fallen. Through his death, death has spread to us all. Friends, what I want you to get from this is that it's not supposed to be that way. That was not God's intention in creation. Death, every death, is a reminder of that. And Saul, like Adam, his sin led not only to his own death, It led not only to his own fall, it led to the death of many in Israel. Look back at chapter 31, verse 1. Before we're even told of Saul's death, we see the consequences of his sin. The men of Israel fled before the Philistines and fell, slain on Mount Gilboa. Then in verse 2, We read that the Philistines struck down Saul's sons. Then eventually Saul takes his own life, which he's been doing since chapter 15. His armor bearer takes his own life. Then in verse 7, we see that the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley from the battle and the men of Israel who were on the other side of the Jordan, when they heard that Saul had fled, they too fled. They fled the cities that they were occupying. And the Philistines came and occupied those cities. What was Saul supposed to be? He was supposed to be a king that would drive out the nations to secure the promised land, to finish the conquest of the land. But all of that has been lost. Now the territory that had been claimed has been reclaimed by the enemies of God. Paradise lost. His sin affected the whole nation. It led to the death of his sons, the death of his soldiers, to the loss of territory. Saul's fall is a reminder of the fall of Adam, a fall that affected not just a particular group of people in a particular time and place, but in Adam's fall, it affected all of humanity for all of time. We now live under the curse, under the tragedy of death, which Paul says is the last enemy. It is still here with us. And it is not supposed to be this way. That's why we grieve we groan inwardly, longing for the redemption of this broken world, these broken bodies, regardless of the cause of death. Whether it's the direct result of sin like Saul, or simply because we live in a fallen world. All death should cause us to grieve. None of it should ever be heard in our ears as good news. It's not supposed to be this way. But how should we grieve? And that leads me to my second point. We should name what we have lost. that's what david begins to do in verse 22 all the way through verse 25 he begins listing by name all that has been lost saul's life was a tragic loss so many things that he did poorly so many things to regret saul lists david lists none of them He only lists the good that had been lost. Verse 22, David teaches us that Israel had lost warriors in Saul and Jonathan. Their swords used to have the blood and guts of their enemies on them. They would no more. Verse 21 we read that the shield of the mighty was defiled. The shield of Saul, not anointed with oil. Soldiers used to oil their shields before battle, but that will not happen again with Saul. The Lord's anointed has fallen. He will no longer go into battle. Verse 23, we see that Saul and Jonathan used to be an unstoppable Force, a dynamic duo in battle. They were not divided. They were faster than eagles. They were stronger than lions. But now, oh, how the mighty have fallen. So much good that had been done has all been lost. You know, we must remember that there are many instances in First Samuel of the victories of Saul. The men of Jabesh Gilead knew this quite well. In chapter 31, verse 11, as the Philistines are declaring the good news when they hear of Saul's death, the men of Jabesh Gilead recover Saul's body, bury his bones, and then lament They recognize what has been lost. He delivered them from the Ammonites. They recognize it, and so does David. In verse 24, David moves from the loss of warriors to the loss of material prosperity that came in the wake of Saul's reign. It had secured wealth for the nation. Women had clothes of scarlet and ornaments of gold, but now David commands the daughters of Israel to weep over Saul who clothed you luxuriously in scarlet and put ornaments of gold on your apparel. He ends this section in verse 25 the way he began, the first section, but with one addition. Did you catch it? He says, Oh, how the mighty have fallen in the midst of battle. Jonathan lies slain on your high places. He leaves what mattered to him most for last. The loss of relationship. The loss of friendship. And isn't that the thing that matters most to us when we lose somebody we love? We lose the relationship. David's list of what is lost is so instructive for us if we are going to learn how to grieve. We need to remember what has been lost. Don't simply stuff it down and replace it with your pious platitudes. Stop whitewashing the loss of death. Name it. Grieve for it. You can't understand the good news until you come to grips with the bad news and what has been lost. That's why it's so important for us to talk about it. To talk about the people. To name what they meant to us. Our grief will always match the value that we put on that which was lost when you grieve greatly, when you can't control yourself anymore, you need to hear this. It is not because you don't have faith. It is because you have great love for the One that you have lost. Hopefully, you have learned something about why we should grieve death. It is not the way that it is supposed to be and something about how to do that. We must name that which is lost. But how do we do the thing that Paul tells us to do? To grieve with hope. That's the final question. And our passage doesn't give us a direct answer to this question, but it does point us in the direction of an answer. Obliquely, subtly, But I believe truly. What follows in verses 26 to 27 really stands out. Up to this point, we have tight poetic structure, beginning with a refrain in verse 19, ending with that refrain in verse 25. But then in verse 26, the symmetry, the meter is broken, is David pours out his heart regarding Jonathan. This is what he says in verse 26. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Very pleasant you have been to me. Your love to me was extraordinary, surpassing the love of women. Now some have had the audacity The gross audacity, I might add. To say that this is referring to a homosexual relationship between David and Saul. This couldn't be further from the truth. People that make such statements show that they don't know how to read. Remember, this is a public lament. A public lament for Israel. And the Old Testament expressly forbids homosexuality, homosexual practice. It is punishable by death. The New Testament also expressly forbids homosexual relationships. So that is not what this is. When David calls Jonathan's love for him extraordinary, surpassing the covenant relationship with a woman... He is speaking of something else. What is he speaking of? We're told very explicitly, if we will simply read, in 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 to 4. 1 Samuel 18, verses 3 to 4. There we read Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Notice how he loved him. He stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. The love between Jonathan and David was a covenant love. What does that mean? Remember, who is Jonathan? He is the heir to his father's throne but Jonathan repeatedly acknowledges that David is the king of God's own choosing. David is the one who would perpetually hold the throne. And so, Jonathan lays all of the tokens of kingship at David's feet. In this act, he is acknowledging his allegiance to David as king, renouncing his claim to the throne, accepting David's reign. And in turn, David promises to act kindly with him and kindly with his family. If you are with me, it will be well with you. Here we find a small hint that points to the hope we can have in death. To grieve with hope, we must be in covenant relationship with the risen King. In 1 Samuel, we see hence that those who align themselves with Saul will suffer, but those who align themselves with David will be safe. God is at work in removing Saul. He's at work in raising David. Just as Hannah had predicted would happen in the first song. See, there's three songs in Samuel. The beginning of Samuel, the end of 2 Samuel, and right here in the middle. Hannah had predicted this would happen in 1 Samuel 2. The bows of the mighty are broken, but the feeble bind on strength. The Lord kills and brings to life. He brings down to Sheol and raises up. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and anoint or exalt the horn of his anointed. And this is now what is happening. Saul died on one day. And the people, I bet, are wondering who would be king? What would happen to the nation of Israel? The people had hoped that this king would save them. But God was giving the kingship to another, someone better than Saul. And on the third day, we are told, after Saul's death, David was handed his crown. He would be king. The chapters that follow show us that God is establishing David's throne, but even more, in 2 Samuel 7, God makes a covenant with David that His throne would endure forever. As we trace the succession of the Davidic monarchy, we see a steady decline in king after king that ends in a heap of ashes in the Babylonian exile. But then... 400 years later comes Jesus, the Son of God born of the Virgin Mary. The Son of David. He takes the throne of David, but unlike the mighty kings of the nations, He doesn't defeat His enemies at His first coming. Instead, He dies for His enemies. He is hung on a cross. This left His disciples in deep distress. How could it be that our King has been slain on Mount Golgotha? We had hoped that He was the One who would save Israel. Their hopes were dashed. But then on the third day, He was raised up from the dead ascended into heaven and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God he is the victorious everlasting king and this is the connection to Jonathan all who believe that he is the rightful king All who believe He was crucified for our sins. All who believe that He was risen from the dead. All who place their faith in Him. All who bow down before Him. They enter into an everlasting covenant with Him. A covenant sealed in His blood. And now, those who die in the Lord can have hope. That they one day, like Him, will be raised. He will save His covenant people from their sins. He will give them eternal life. We will be raised with Him. This is the only way that we can grieve with hope. We will all die. Do you know that your death is coming? But if you die in the Lord, you will be raised death is always a tragedy it's never good news except when it's connected with the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ in Christ's resurrection death is swallowed up in victory oh death where is your victory oh death Where is your sting, Paul says? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in the resurrection of Jesus and only in the resurrection of Jesus that we can grieve with hope. Sin came into the world through one man, Adam, and death through sin, so that death spread to all men because all sinned. But through the righteous life of Christ, His sacrificial death, His victorious resurrection, all who are in Him will be raised. He's the new. He's the better Adam. He is our only hope in life and death. Friends, If you want to come to understand the triumph of the resurrection, you have to first acknowledge the tragedy of death. Have you come to see it this morning? Death is a tragedy. It is the last enemy. It must be grieved. We must acknowledge that death is not the way that it is supposed to be. It's the result of sin. It's the result of the fall. We must name what has been lost. Paradise has been lost. Relationships have been lost. Death is the last enemy. That's the bad news. And it's true. But there is also good news that death has been defeated in Jesus Christ. Have you placed your trust in Him? Do you realize that the days are short. We will all one day face our own death. Have you placed your trust and your confidence in Him? And then to the rest of you, I would say this, the days are short. You have hope through faith in Jesus Christ. But the world is without hope and without God in this world. Do you want them to die in their sins? I don't. Let us remember that we have been given good news. We're the only ones that have it. Nobody else has good news. But we have been given it by our risen Savior and are called to publish it in the streets of this city and around the globe. May we be found faithful. Let us pray. Father, we thank You for the real comfort that is ours through the death and resurrection of Your Son, Jesus Christ. Not an empty hope, but a firm foundation. Help us to lean on the rock of our salvation. For those who are in the throes of grief, I pray that You would help them to grieve well, acknowledging this is not the way it's supposed to be, acknowledging what they have lost. Be gentle with them, Lord, in this process. And remind them along the way of the hope of the resurrection. We pray in the victorious name of Christ our Lord. Amen.